Welcome to Relay Chain, a podcast produced by Parity Technologies, where we discuss all things Substrate, Polkadot, and Web3. The information provided is for informational purposes only and is subject to change without notice. This podcast session does not constitute, either explicitly or implicitly, any provision of services or products by Parity Technologies, also known as Parity. All statements, including forward-looking statements made regarding companies, securities, or digital assets are strictly beliefs and points of view held by Parity or guest speakers and are not endorsements by Parity of any company or recommendations by Parity to buy, sell, or hold any security or digital asset. Parity and its clients, as well as its related persons, may, but do not necessarily, have financial interests in securities or digital assets or issuers that are discussed. Welcome, 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 everyone, to part two of another exciting episode of the Relay Chain podcast. For those of you that listened to part one, you already know that we covered so much ground in my conversation with Brainjar that we had to cut the episode into two pieces. So if you haven't already, I highly suggest you jump back to that episode before continuing with this one. But if you are already caught up on the conversation, then I suggest you sit back and enjoy as we jump right back in and hear Brainjar's thoughts on Mosaic their transfer availability layer. Enjoy. I had another question, uh, kind of more a broad general question is like, do you think that all of these different protocols and, and standards will kind of eventually converge on each other? Like, will there be just a one, one place to find all of the, the liquidity? Or do you see Mosaic kind of uh, playing that part? And there can be you know, infinity fragmented different protocols that have their own liquidity pools, but Mosaic can tie them all together. Like, which way do you see the the space kind of going? Yeah, I think the latter, to be honest. I, I think we will get to the former at some point if there is a robust enough infrastructure that can virtualize liquidity. If you're able to actually have, and this is exactly where XDBM comes in, but if you're actually able to have a application that sits on top of all of these different liquidity pools, then what you have, right, is like if you provide liquidity to that application, then it's almost like a meta pool of sorts that virtualizes liquidity across all chains for that specific liquidity pool, right? And that that becomes super interesting because the answer is your exact question. Like if I just want to LP something like, just let me do it in one place. Don't waste my time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and then you don't need to worry about moving your positions around for better opportunities and such. But then I guess like the flip side of that is where does the innovation come from? If it's all just like lumped into one place, like who's who's fighting for that next kind of uh, slice of the pie? Yeah, exactly. That's a really. I mean, yeah, we're talking about concepts that are just so beyond where the current minds of the DeFi DGENs are like, it's going to be exciting to see like what actually happens and how people actually react. Absolutely. I love doing these episodes because I get to talk to folks like you that are like so hands-on with this stuff and I can uh, kind of pick your brain on where, where we think we're going and, and what's happening right now. Uh, last question about Mosaic is, is how do you handle transaction fees when you're dealing with multiple different uh blockchains and and consensus mechanisms uh, like how do you how do you deal with that yeah so everyone just pays their own pays the fees associated with like the block like essentially if you're bridging from avalanche to moon river you pay avax to do so you put that onto the user to pay basically right so 
So they only have to pay on one side. They don't have to pay on the other side as well. That's right. That's right. And actually we're going to have future like additional small little use cases for mosaic as well as like when you bridge over, like you have the option to convert a small portion of like your bridged assets to like the native token of the chain. Right. So now you have some, some mover to actually do stuff on moon river. Right. So yeah, there's like little small details like that come from us really knowing the user experience for bridging that we've added that I hope like people appreciate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The whole kind of swap for gas or bridge for gas kind of thing is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You just mentioned XCVM a little bit prior. Let's uh, let's start digging into that. And I think this is probably the meat and potatoes here of um, of what Composable is all about. And it's this uh, this orchestration layer, and um, it's going to allow us to connect to to different ecosystems. Uh, let's let's talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, like, what is the point of having interoperability for the sake of interoperability? Right? There there is no point really. And so far. We've only really dealt with bridging in the context of tokens and not in the context of information, right? And imagine a world where you take a program, just like, let's just talk about like computer science terms, right? You take a program and you basically can break apart every state transition function onto multiple chains and have that state basically have that transition occur in each respective VM, um, in each respective blockchain, essentially. And you sort of have this, what, what you end up having is kind of like this asynchronous computation environment that pretty much has kind of state transition functions distributed across multiple chains. And now the benefit for this, right, is like, well, you could, you could say, for instance, okay, well, isn't that less efficient than just running a smart contract on, on Ethereum? And it's like, yes, but not when you're trying to basically do DeFi, which is like connecting one protocol to the other protocol to the other protocol. Take a receipt token from this place and use it as collateral for this. Take out a loan. Like, There's all these different types of like, we haven't experienced the full Valhalla of money Legos because we haven't actually built infrastructure to do so. And this is exactly like, yes, it's cool. We have XCM. Yes, it's cool. We have IBC, but what do we do with these things? And so that's exactly what X XCVM is for is to essentially write smart contracts to interact with interoperability to connect protocols and build sort of like these higher level money Legos. Okay. And so you mentioned IBC. That is a part of what you've used to build uh, XCVM. And can you explain for me and for those listening, uh, explain like I'm five, what is IBC? Yeah, so IBC is essentially the transport layer that the Cosmos ecosystem uses to communicate from chain to chain. Like right now, it's been mostly focused only on the Cosmos ecosystem, but we're actually bringing IBC to the Polkadot ecosystem as well and other ecosystems like Near, Polygon, etc. And so essentially think of it as like a transport layer for information. It's only been used up to now for kind of like token transfers, but soon like with the enablement of what we're doing, we want to be able to have it pass data basically. 
Uh, would it be a fair comparison to compare IBC to uh, XCM? Yeah, yes, yes, definitely. So it's just like the uh, messaging format. That's right, yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Another piece of the puzzle here is Cosmwasm. Can you explain that to us as well? Yeah, so when we decided, okay, what are these cross-chain smart contracts going to look like? We were like, okay, well, is it going to be EVM? No. So we decided to use Cosmwasm, basically, as the framework to write these smart contracts. We will support Inc. at some point, but Cosmwasm is just in a generally like, I think people like working with Cosmwasm at the moment across the board in the Rust development community. Okay. Part of the word is Wasm, so that means WebAssembly. Will Cosmwasm be able to execute basically anything that has been compiled down to Wasm? 100%, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you could you could theoretically write it in any language, and then as long as it compiles down, then then use it. Yeah, they actually put out something the other day saying like how they're going to start expanding the focus of Cosmosm beyond Rust mm-hmm. to other languages like Assembly and whatever. Cool. I think that it's a similar kind of idea with Ink as well, where it's written in Rust, but it compiles down to Wasm, so you could really write in any language that does that. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Uh, I'm curious why you chose IBC and Cosmwasm. Yeah, so this is obviously like the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> um, but like, I, I think for us, really, it's just like XDM doesn't feel like it's extendable to other ecosystems yet, right? And we're not saying we're not using XDM, like we still use XDM within the Polkadot perspective. And actually, the format of the messages that we're sending around um, this kind of like packet format that IBC basically passes, essentially like the format of the data that's getting passed from chain to chain is actually XCM inspired. So like we very much see like XCM as a great framework for data to be moved from chain to chain. And this was, this is essentially like what inspired kind of like this format for the messaging we're doing from chain to chain with sort of like IBC parentheses XCM. So we saw IBC as being more extendable as a transport layer and XCM more robust as a messaging framework um, and basically just took the best parts of both. And IBC is is kind of like our transport layer for XCM-inspired messages. And then as far as Cosmosm, like we just didn't don't really feel like Inc. is at a point where also like Let's just be honest here, right? Like Cosmosm is used heavily by several developer ecosystems and they've they've held a lot of funds, right? And like there's people doing audits for Cosmosm contracts. People actually have live DeFi applications with Cosmosm contracts. So I didn't want to take a full all-in bet on Inc. when you can't say the same thing for Inc., right? Fair enough, yeah. Um, okay, so then what what is um, I guess the the value proposition of XCVM, and what can we compare it to, just so we we have a, a framework to reason about it? Yeah, so XCVM is basically like so. Let's just talk about some of our competitors, right? Layer zero is is an Axlar are some of our competitors. All they do is basically they just offer quote unquote trustless bridging, even though it's not trustless in any way. And they basically just allow for token transfers and, and information 
theoretically, they say information being passed from chain to chain. So it's like, okay, cool. So you've now pretty much reinvented the wheel and created a glue framework for, for blockchains out there. Perfect. Now, what are you going to do with that? It's like, how do you expect anyone to build cross-chain applications when you don't offer that to them as a product, right? So it, let's just say, okay, say I want to build a cross-chain DEX aggregator, right? How do I do that? Well, first, I'm going to have to write, choose a place um, on EVM for me to essentially deploy my contract. Okay, fine. So I deploy my first contract. Then I realize I need another contract on another chain to do anything there. Then I realize I need another contract on another chain. And then I have to glue all these pieces together to do so. And then I have my cross-chain application built using layer zero or Axelar. In our case, we actually flip it on its head and we say, there is now a framework where you basically write what you want to do and then messages get passed by our chain, like from our chain with instructions to satellite contracts on every supported chain that then say, do X, Y, Z basically. So now you don't have to go and deal with deploying on every single chain. You now just have to write an instruction set for your application. Hmm. Okay. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So where, where does, I guess the smart contract actually live? The smart contract that is getting called and, and executed. Yeah. That lives on the Polkadot parachain. Okay. So in this case, it would, it would be on Picasso or, or composable. And, yeah. and so, so I'm, I'm on Arbitrum and I want to execute uh, some sort of cross chain transfer. So I make a call to, uh, let's just use Picasso. I, I make a call to Picasso and say, Hey, I want to transfer 10, 10 of X to this other chain. And I just say, this is what I want to do. And then XCVM handles it. Essentially. Yeah. Like how, I mean, there's, that's like a very high level abstraction of how it would work, but yes, like there's a lot of details like satellite contracts and, and messages getting interpreted from one contract to the other, blah, 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 like signing by the wallets and all these things. But like high level, that's what it would feel like for the user. Okay. And so there's something, there's something on this chain, like Arbitrum, again, we'll just use that as an example that allows me to send off this message to Picasso. What is that? Is that IBC? That's IBC. Okay. So we're, we're pa uh, creating this um, message packet on Arbitrum and knows how to do that, sends off this message over to Picasso and knows how to interpret that and then executes it on whatever chains are involved. That's exactly right. Yep. This is it's mind blowing. I mean, I, I think I explained it, but I still don't understand it. Um, but that's, that's just the magic of the blockchain. We'll just chalk that up to magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Like if this actually goes the way that I am envisioning it to like, this is a whole new paradigm, putting all like things aside, like the objectively, this is a brand new paradigm straight up. <laughs> like this has never been done before. Right. Like it's wild, a, a true interoperable future across, across different ecosystems. Exactly. Cool. 
let's let's talk about what this means in terms of the the users i guess you have uh, everyday average kind of users maybe non-technical users and then you got developers that are actually building this technology like what what kind of changes for each of these um parties yeah so for developers it becomes like a, a scenario where we have like this new framework to work with like developers now need to think about how do i build a cross-chain app right so like the developer needs to actually sit there and think for a second what new innovation can i build with this new stuff and then for the user there's going to have to be a whole new type of applications and and user experience like front ends to support the level of abstraction that you're talking about right and like literally we have someone on our team like our head of design zero x slenderman he's done nothing but think about this problem for like four months four or five months, like super long time. And like, even still like today we're saying, yeah, like maybe this still doesn't like make the most sense. Right. Like, so we're going to open source some of those pieces because it is so hard, like going from a place where like you connect one wallet, like on one chain and like, you just do like you do one very specific thing with one very specific protocol to now building a front end that underneath interacts with like 20 or 30 different protocols. That's crazy. Yeah, so it sounds like in some ways it makes it uh, a lot easier for developers, but in in another way it creates a, a new kind of problem to manage this uh, maybe a larger code base or or more complex code base for their front ends. Yeah, I think it's just new, right? Like some there will be some people who literally just copy paste Terra contracts over and deploy them onto our fair chain. Like if you don't want to use any interoperability and you just want to do something with Cosm Wasm. You can, right? Like you can just copy paste and then you just connect your Polkadot.js and like you're basically good to go. But for people who actually want to take this next step and work with this new innovation, a lot of education is going to have to happen, right? Um, and this is also some education too that like we hope like Polkadot, like Parity, Web3, et cetera, could also assist us with because we're doing what they want to do, right? like realizing cross-chain applications, connecting app chains and building things on top of that connection. We've talked about it a lot, but like when you really look at some of our competitors and you see like their list of quote unquote proposed cross-chain applications, it's all the same stuff every single time. Like they can't see beyond that. Um, and I think that's, that is the problem, right? It's like, we're going to have to do so much education to get people to think outside of the box. Yeah, that's what I think is the challenge. Very interesting. One thing that I, I thought of in terms of like the, the change that this kind of brings for a user is we become able to use smart contracts that do cross-chain actions. So where where an individual would need to, uh, okay, decide what do I want to do? Okay, I want to go trade something over on on a pair chain that or a, a blockchain that I'm not on. I have to go find the bridge, make sure to bridge it, and make sure that this token that I'm bridging to is not just a synthetic token. Or and if it is, then I got to actually trade for the real token. And then I got to go do the thing that... So all of these different kind of steps that go along in the mind of the user can now be put into like a set of smart contracts that I just tell... Uh, I just tell Picasso what I want to do. I want to trade something over there. I want to buy that and then swap that and then provide liquidity over here. And it could just do it all in kind of one transaction. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we want to do, right? Like that's why we're here. <laughs>
That is crazy. Okay. Is there anything else you want to add to uh, the XCVM story? If anyone is interested in like spinning on potential cross-chain applications, we are having a hackathon, <clears throat> um, unchained.events, composable unchained. We have a very big event. We're bringing a bunch of people from Cosmos, from Polkadot, et cetera, to come on various panels July 1st in Berlin. But we are doing a unveiling of XCVM that day. So like that's we're gonna have a live demo and then also like a six hour side hackathon as well. So if anyone is interested in getting started with this stuff, like feel free to join. Okay, so we got through the big uh, the big meaty one, um, and now I, there's a couple other pieces that um, we can touch on, and and it's somewhat related to XCVM is is Centauri, which is um, as I understand it the the connection between the parachain itself and IBC. Do I have that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's kind of break it apart. I understand it's in, in a, a few different pieces and let's just talk a little bit about those pieces. So there's basically like several pieces. So the way IBC works is you have light clients on both sides and essentially you have a finality proof from both chains and then a relayer sits in between to essentially broadcast, Hey, this finality proof is for real, basically. And this is the only way you do trustless bridging. There is no anyone else that says anything else about bridging. It's just lying straight to your face. Like this is the end state of, of bridging. There is no other way. Uh, so basically there's, you have like many different pieces, right? So you have like, we have to have like the light client on the Cosmos side for the Polkadot chain. Then you have to have the light client on the Polkadot side for the Cosmos chain for like the IBC chain. Then you have to build essentially a pallet called pallet IBC. So that's another piece. Then we have IBC RS essentially containerizing that and including that into our stack as well. So there's like so many different pieces just, but like the thing is, is once we do all of this, then connecting near to Polkadot through IBC is easy. We just have to implement the, the sort of like the near specific components, right? And then another chain, that has a light client implementation. By the way, not every chain has a light client. Solana doesn't have a light client. So you can't actually build a trustless bridge to Solana. I mean, it's, it's possible. We've been looking into it, but like, yeah, not every chain is as easy as I'm making it sound. But like things like near, um, Algorand, et cetera, these things are all very possible. So like for us, once all of this heavy lifting has been done, which has taken about seven months now, we can very quickly add support for new chains very, very easily. Mm. And then because you're building this as a pallet, this pallet could then also be imported and used in other pair chains to do the same. Is that right? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, or even spin this out as its own chain, right? I think our future very much so becomes like a nested relay chain shared security world where all these pallets you just mentioned become their own pair chains maybe. But again, that's just like a super like uh, longer term vision for sure. 
So uh, to kind of like sum everything up in this for this palette, we have Picasso being able to speak with IBC using multiple parts that come together, one of which is is beefy, which is um, Polkadot's way of generating uh, light client proofs that they can then send to these other chains. And then there will presumably be other uh, light client proofs that will be sent back to that chain so that they can both understand each system's finality. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. You got it right. Very cool. And then there's this relayer in between them that is um, securely sending these messages back and forth. And um, and then a palette that actually generates these packets, these IBC packets. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple other... Um, there's still more. There's still more palettes to go through. I know we're getting uh, uh, we're getting on in time, uh, but we could we could go a little bit further and, and talk about maybe Angular, Whirlpool, and um, Instrumental if we have if we have some time. Yeah, sure. I mean, so Angular basically is like the first money market in Substrate, right? Uh, so that's like something we're super excited about doing. Um, and it's different than traditional money markets where it's just pool-based designs like Aave and Compound. Rather, this is an isolated lending pair solution. So anyone can spin up, up any two assets as collateral, like one as collateral, one as lending asset, and just like start having leverage. So Angular, like there's so many cool things that I won't get into, but like the V2 is like, you could even do things like concentrate. Remember we talked about Uni V3 at the beginning? You could do the same thing for essentially lending too. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, we could we could talk about all of these um, forever, but um, I was really interested in the the what that really meant, the isolated lending pairs. Like, what does that actually mean practically? Yes, basically, what this means is say you have token A, token B. Token A is used as collateral. Token B is the lending asset, like the asset you actually take out the loans in. If token A goes to zero and token B is not able to be like repaid for whatever reason, that risk is isolated to just that pool. As opposed to say, for instance, Ave, where you basically have like you deposit collateral in one place and you can take out a loan in pretty much any other token you want, that essentially diversifies the risk tremendously which is not necessarily a good thing, right? So yeah, so that that's kind of the idea. Okay, and I guess it would uh, the the strength of this kind of protocol relies on um, the more people that are are creating their own isolated lending pools. Like, do they share liquidity amongst each other? No. So that's that. Yeah. So then we have to have infrastructure that sits on top, right? That can like manage liquidity from from pool to pool. You start to bring in primitives like Cubic. For instance, to run a vault that can diversify like someone's exposure as a lender across like twenty or thirty different pools, right? Okay, well, I feel like we could we could really get into the weeds on that. So let's <laughs> let's let's touch on Whirlpool Cash while while we still got some time. I think Whirlpool is just one of the single most like impressive components of the composable ecosystem, to be honest. And the reason for that is I don't think anyone's actually successfully done CK on a pair chain yet so far. I think some people have attempted, but like, like for real, for real privacy using ZK zero knowledge proofs, like that's just not happened yet. And so we actually have like 
a team of cryptographers, like two cryptographers that we have who are experts in this stuff and basically are building a circuit as a pallet to allow for people to essentially do like tornado cash style mixing, basically. However, I don't want to just keep it there at mixing because it's definitely much more than that. Like, I think there's projects like Penumbra, for instance, in the Cosmos ecosystem that are doing like shielded transactions. What Whirlpool can essentially allow, right, is say you want to use a private cross-chain bridge, right? How, how would that work? Well, you could send your assets into Whirlpool and because Whirlpool is a pallet, it can essentially tell this, you know, Centauri, the, the Centauri bridge, hey, this guy wants to move assets. So now he can just move through Whirlpool, essentially, bridge onto a Cosmos chain that is also private, like Penumbra, and then go along with their merry way. And that's like a pseudo private bridge, basically. Pseudo as in like, it is actually private, but it's not designed to be a, to be a private bridge. It's just that the two endpoints are private, right? Super interesting. Um, so what, what protocols does Whirlpool Cash leverage? Because right? I know that a part of being a mixer is like you, the longer you keep your funds in there, the, the more secure it is or the more private it is. As I also understand that meanwhile, while, while you're, um, you're waiting for that privacy to kind of come to fruition, like you're also able to uh, generate a yield on those tokens. Yeah, I really love how you really uh, were, were able to pick up these details about everything. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, exactly. So I looked at Tornado Cash and I was like, yeah, this is pretty terrible. Like $700 million essentially just sitting there not generating yield. So what we decided is, okay, well, let's just have people be able to deploy that capital um, into, say, Pablo or Angular or somewhere else on the chain while it's getting quote unquote mixed, basically. That is like a different concept now, right? It's like a complete shift in how something like Tornado Cash would work. Mm -hmm. And so does the, the user have the option, like when they're entering Whirlpool Cash, they can say, I wanna use this yield generating opportunity or, or is it done automatically for them? Yeah, I mean, I think initially it will just be automatically, but I think over time, like we'll just definitely make it open to the user for sure. Okay, cool. Uh, I think this might be my last question, but does does Whirlpool Cash provide anonymity to ERC twenty tokens or or just like Polkadot tokens, the the XC tokens? Like, how what what can we use this for? Yeah, so any tokens support supported by the chain. We don't have EBM on our chain, so obviously we can't like natively support ERC twenties. But like, if you use Mosaic and you bridge the ERC twenties over into like assets on the Picasso chain, then that could go through Whirlpool and then go back out to another EVM chain. So like, I think people will use Whirlpool as a cross chain sort of like anonymity solution for people who are doing like heavy bridging from ecosystem to ecosystem. Okay. What are your thoughts on on regulation, like the current state of regulation? Um, I think it seems like that um, regulators kind of are looking at privacy coins, um, you know, with with a very close eye. What are your thoughts just on, on that space in general? Definitely our legal team is not super pleased with like, you know, Whirlpool. So we obviously need to make some changes there to abide by like KYC things like in theory. Um, we, we haven't announced any plans to do that, so I, I don't want to speak like out of 
out of turn here, but I mostly would leave this up to the lawyers to figure out. Um, and whether that means like Whirlpool becomes kind of like a, a DAO or something, and it's not like fully run by us or something like that. Like it's a very real situation. People really don't like anonymity in the crypto space, which it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, there's still so much more <laughs> that we could talk about. Um, but I, I think I'll, I'll pause now and, and leave it up to you to kind of, if you want to talk about anything else, any other projects in the composable Picasso kind of pantheon of, of palettes, um, we can, we can continue talking. I'll just leave it up to you. What do you, what do you want to do? Yeah. I mean, essentially like, I just want to highlight, right? Like we are doing a lot of things over the next few weeks, running up to Composable Unchained July 1st, we will be doing more and more exposés of what is actually under the hood, right? Like I think a lot of people have like forgotten how much we're actually doing and are really just fixated on like when Pika and stuff like that. So I think we're going to just do a, a, sort of like cycle of reminding people about, you know, what's up and then really unveil XDVM. We already have terror projects even reaching out already to start. Again, the example I mentioned previously about just copy, paste, deploy, don't use any of the interoperability components, but just have a place to deploy a cosmosm contract. Some projects are already reaching out to us for that. So I think it should be a really exciting summer and yeah, hoping to push all these things forward. Awesome. And uh, I'm sure like we, we kind of talked about it earlier, uh, you have a massive uh, development team, but I'm sure you're also always looking for more developers. Yeah, we're, we're definitely, yeah, we're definitely hiring, like also looking for like BD people, marketing people, like across the board. I think we're hiring in general, like, yeah, please reach out at Brainjar on Telegram. If you think that you want to basically like join a very fast moving high-paced sort of team. And uh, I also am aware that you have a, a grants program where you, you want to fund these uh, developers to build projects too. So um, maybe uh, do you have any ideas of what what uh, grants you're looking to give away soon? Yeah, for sure. I mean, anybody who's been affected by the Terra collapse, like if you want to ship your project onto our parachain, that's very easy to do. Please reach out. Um, otherwise, like as always... It was like the first day I started Composable, I created like a post that basically said, if you want to build pallets, like hit me up. It's the same thing. Like, I just don't think enough parachain teams are pushing pallets as much as they should be. Um, and like, I have been super bullish on pallets since the day I ever learned about them. And I would love to find more people who want to build interesting pallets. Awesome. And, and I would say, uh, based on our conversation today, you have a lot of interesting palettes as a part of Composable and Picasso. Um, it's been an illuminating talk. Like I said, we could have continued this all day and probably done an episode on each of these uh, palettes that you're building. Um, but thank you so much for your time, uh, Brain Jar. And is there anything else you want to leave folks with before we sign off? No, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. And as always, feel free to reach out on Twitter, Telegram, Discord, I'm available. Perfect. Thanks again. And uh, for all, all those listening, check out Composable uh, and all the amazing things that they're building. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Thanks for joining us this week on Relay Chain. 
we'd love to hear your thoughts on the subjects we talked about today. So please reach out to us on Twitter at RelayChain or by email podcast at parity.io. The team at Parity has some of the brightest minds working towards building a robust and inclusive ecosystem that puts power back into the hands of its community members. With cross-chain communication as a primary goal, we aim to break down the tribalistic barriers that have formed throughout the blockchain industry. If you want to learn more about what we're building, or if you want to join our team, visit our website at Parity.io and sign up for our newsletter at Parity.io slash newsletter. The content presented on RelayChain is not financial or investment advice and should not be viewed as a recommendation to support any specific project. The views expressed are the personal opinions of the podcast guests and hosts and are not necessarily shared by Parity Technologies or Web3 Foundation, who do not endorse or guarantee the accuracy of the information provided.